loving God, modeling Christ, and serving others. This is the Hope for Macomb podcast. Just as we transition to the morning sermon, I'm wrapping up a three-week series on stewardship. Don't all run for the doors. Uh, Jesus says more about giving than anybody else in the Bible. We've looked at what the Apostle Paul taught on giving in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. We've considered Jesus our greatest example who gave his own life that we might live eternally. He left all of the glory of heaven and came to earth, took on the form of a man, a servant. He suffered, he died, even a death of crucifixion that we may have our sins forgiven. Jesus is our great example as the Macedonian church is an example for us of giving. The verse I've challenged you to memorize during this short three-week series on stewardship is 2 Corinthians 8, 5. And we're going to take a look at that verse for just a moment, if you'd stand with me, and we'll say it in unison twice. Just catch the heart of this verse, if you would. Uh, They gave themselves first to the Lord. Before we bring even our lives to his service, our talents, our abilities, our time given to serve the Lord. Before we give any of our finances, if we're to truly do it with all of our heart, bringing gifts, tithes, and offerings to fuel the work of the gospel here and around the world, we must first give ourselves totally to the Lord through this great gospel, this gift of salvation he's given to us. That's the heart of this. We pray you've given yourself totally to the Lord. Let's say the reference first. It's 2 Corinthians 8, 5. And then we'll do the verse through twice. The first time prayerfully, reflectively, let's think on these words. The second time, let's lift the roof a little bit with our volume. Okay? In unison. Reference first. 2 Corinthians 8, 5. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. And then, by the will of God, also to us. Reference first again. Let's... Belt it out. 2 Corinthians 8 5. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. I'd ask you just to remain standing for a moment as I read the verses as a scripture reading that we'll be unpacking in this, our last little sermon in this series on stewardship. It's out of 2 Corinthians 9. I'm going to begin with verse 6 through 15. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. 
This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And God's people could say amen to that. Please be seated. Uh, it's difficult to talk about money, and yet the Bible talks about money, management, stewardship of funds, even our very lives. I've tried to emphasize through this whole series, and some of you may have received a letter yesterday, or you might tomorrow, for an appeal that we would end the fiscal year strong in our general giving. Uh, just a little short, we'd end strong. Our parking lot, beautifully paved. We're close, a little short. We want to end the fiscal year strong in our capital giving. And praise the Lord, our mission fund is full to overflowing. So we ask you to prayerfully adjust your giving to meet needs. I guess a long while back, it became a little easier for me to ask about money. Uh, I'm asking you to give your whole lives to Christ, right? That's not me, by the way. It's the scripture text we just shared as our memory verse. Give yourself Totally, totally to the Lord. And when you do that, there'll begin to be something called joy emerging in your heart as you give your time to the Lord. Rachel's right here. We're going to close the service a little later, asking somebody to think about giving one Sunday this summer to help our kids. Does that sound like a big ask? Not really. I get to serve the kids in the third, fourth, and fifth grade classes uh, once in the fall for a month, once in the spring for a month. Let me tell you, it's a joy. It's a much greater joy for me than those young students to have to hear me teach and interact with me. There's joy in serving the Lord. That's the heart of the message today. When you give yourself totally to the Lord, it's a joy to serve Him. As some of you are real prayer warriors. You listen well. You talk on the phone with people. Hear their problems. You pray. You intercede. Some of you write cards. I see you on Facebook. Many of you are a witness on Facebook. If all this technology that goes 24-7 is out there, let's use it for Christ. Let's use it for the gospel, amen, in Poland too, and all over the world. Let's use technology for the gospel. Be a witness for Christ online. A lot of you have so many different talents and abilities. We're not just talking about dollars and cents here. When we talk about your time, your talents, and your treasure, we give the Lord it all, and there's joy in it. That's the closing message today. It's exhilarating. How's that word? I had titled this message, Give Hilariously, and a really good friend of mine, Dr. Bob Kosan, I'm filling in for him tonight at Bethel Baptist Church at 6. He said, well, Pastor George, a lot of preachers use that word. The Greek root is very similar to the English word hilarious. He said, I think a better English word is exhilarating. Hilarious almost has a frivolity, a silliness attached to it. But there's real deep joy in giving. How many of you noticed that? One of the verses in the sermon today we'll get to in a moment is it's more blessed to give than to receive. How many have been on the receiving end? Anyone times being a new immigrant? Weren't you thankful 
But isn't it a much greater blessing to be able to give to those who are in need when you in your own life have been able to stand up and walk forward by God's grace and accumulate some things. What a blessing. As we close the series today, I want you to get the heart of Paul's message. There's joy in serving Jesus. There's joy in giving your time to the Lord. There's joy in sharing your talents and abilities God has given you with others to meet their needs. There's joy in giving of our treasure too. As you've abounded, hear that phrase, your needs are met. You have great joy and blessing. It's actually exhilarating to give toward the Lord's work locally through mission, even our capital funds too. And if I read Paul correctly, the Lord really doesn't want your gifts. Boy, the elders and leaders don't want me to say the rest of this sentence. I think it's biblical. He wants you to give out of joy, not under compulsion, not feeling pressure, but out of joy. What you've decided and purposed in your heart to do with your time, your talents, and your treasure, do it joyfully. Don't do it begrudgingly. Don't do it under compulsion. Do it as the Lord moves you to give. Well, there's a basic principle I want to share with you. Number one, the harvest principle. And please catch the sowing and reaping here. Righteousness is repeated several times through the text. When we give our time to the Lord, it does not necessarily mean we have a lot more time he gives us right back. You give your talents, it doesn't necessarily mean you have a lot of talents. When we give our treasure, when we give the gifts of money to the Lord's work locally, internationally, to care for the poor, all the things we do together, it doesn't, it's not like the lottery does not necessarily mean you get a big windfall financially. There may be financially blessing in your life. We're talking about righteousness, growing in faith, being blessed by the Lord. You're being made holy as your time that you manage. There's only a limited amount of hours in your life. Your talents that you have the opportunity to invest in the Lord's work and your treasure too. As you're a steward of those things, you grow in righteousness as you invest those things in the kingdom work. But there is clearly a harvest principle at work here, and we see it right there in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember in your mind, God gave. He gave Christ. Think of Christmas. Think of Good Friday and Easter. We give back to the God who first gave everything to us. Paul said, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. It's the law of the harvest. Farmers understand this quite well. In the springtime, as they till the soil, I love the smell of the rich soil in spring. Anybody else? After a long, hard, dead winter, there's life coming again. They put all that seed in the ground. They put it all on the line for the harvest they know to come through a long summer of growth, and a fall season of harvest is coming. Farmers understand this. You reap what you sow. If they keep all the seed in the barn, if they don't have faith and put it down in the soil, they won't have much of a harvest. I know from my wife and I in our years together in marriage, we found a principle to be true. And remember, it's mostly spiritual blessing. You can't outgive God. Anyone ever experienced that? A farmer, since we're talking about the law of the harvest, he was a godly farmer. He said, all I know, if you think of shoveling everything you got out there for the Lord, he said, all I know is I scoop it out there. God has a much bigger scoop than I have. A dear person in this congregation once said to me in confidence, I won't share their name, he said, all I know 
is I dip a ladle into the funds God has blessed me with and I give some away to different charities, to the church, to missions. All I know is the level never changes. It's like the more I give, the more the Lord, he keeps meeting my needs. There is a law of the harvest. What you sow, you reap. A lot of people think, oh, it's bad karma or good karma. The biblical concept is there's a law of sowing and reaping. It's a spiritual thing too. And uh, I'll just share this verse with you out of Galatians 6, 8. A states it negatively and B states it positively in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6, 8a, the one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. But the one who sows to please the Spirit of God, from the Spirit of God, they'll receive eternal life. Please don't miss the deep spiritual message in this. There is a law of the harvest. If you're living your life for the Lord, investing your time, the talents you have, and your treasure too for the Lord, there is a spiritual blessing you will reap in your life. A couple of practical tips I want to share with you as we get to number two. We can experience joy. There is joy in giving. There is joy in serving. There is joy in taking the talents the Lord has given you and investing them in his kingdom. There's joy here. When we ask you to serve on Faith Street this summer, we want you to receive a blessing. And we want the kids to be taught the faith as we give some of our summer workers a little time off the year-round workers with you coming forward as a summer volunteer. When we ask you to give toward projects, mission projects, parking lot projects, other building needs we have around here, staffing, light bills, general fund projects, we're asking you to give and experience joy in the giving of your resources and the giving of your time too. Under joy, notice 2 Corinthians 9, 7, a, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We send letters. We share the needs. We're letting you know if we were short on mission, which we're not. We're over the top. We're a little short on general. We're just finishing up the last 10% to pay for the parking lot. We're letting you know the needs some of you give great big gifts, some small gifts, some in the middle. Uh, some of you have no financial gifts you can give, but you're mighty prayer warriors, or you're filling that slot on Faith Street as a servant. All of these gifts, our time, our talent, and treasure, the Lord blesses it. He takes it. He uses it. And you know what happens? The work of the Lord goes forward. But we don't want you to miss the joy if you purpose it in your heart, if you determine in your heart between you and God the time you'll serve, the gifts of your life you'll invest, and your finances too, we want you to do it joyfully. So tip number one, don't be casual in your giving. Be intentional. Pray about the time you'll invest. It, maybe it's an officer position you've been asked to fill. You know the meetings and the responsibilities. Pray about it. It could be a talent you have to help fix things around the building. Pray about the time you'll invest, your talents you'll invest here at Hope, and even your gifts too. Don't do it casually. Do it intentionally. That's exactly what we see in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one should give what he's decided or purposed in his heart to give. For I believe much more than a pastor sharing even a three-week series, letters that come to your home, things we share about needs, I believe God the Holy Spirit will touch your heart 
about the way you can give your time or invest your talents or the offerings and the special gifts financially you can give to. God can do it much more effectively than I can do it or any board or any other leader in the church can do. I trust God to touch your heart with what you can do. And as all of us obey as we follow his promptings in our life, it's the joy comes in when we're following the Lord's promptings in our heart. Amen? What he's convinced us to do, what he's convicted us to do, it should be a great joy. Rick Warren wrote a book some people love, some people hate, some don't even know about, many years ago called The Purpose Driven Life. I think at the heart of it were some good golden nuggets of truth. God has a purpose for your life. You're living, you're serving, you're giving to. As you discover God's purposes for you, there's nothing greater in life than that. As I counsel people often about how to have satisfaction in life, how to really find meaning, I simply ask them to prayerfully look into their heart. What passions has God put in your heart? What abilities? What can you contribute? Now, it's very simple, this next part. Simply look for a need in this world and fill it with your passion. Does that make sense? Look for any need in this world through the local church, through the community, your neighborhood, where you work. Look for a need. Fill it with what you're passionate about, with what your abilities are. You'll find contentment, satisfaction, dare I say it, joy, exhilaration comes. When you have a passion and ability and you help somebody, you meet a need, it's thrilling. Giving should be thrilling. Serving should be thrilling. Don't be casual about it. Number two, it's a hard word, but it's in the text. Don't complain. Don't grumble. Uh, don't complain to the wrong person. Don't uh, give to the wrong causes. Try to be a joyful giver. Don't give if you can't give joyfully. Don't give if the Lord hasn't moved you to do it. If it's under compulsion is the third tip, don't do it. Don't be casual. Don't complain. Tip number three is don't give under compulsion. Right there in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Don't give under compulsion. Don't give under pressure. I know in my own heart and my wife too, there have been a few times in our life we felt a prompting of the Holy Spirit to meet a need above and beyond the regular gifts to the church to meet a need. And there's been great joy in it. All I know, because I'm like you, most of us are selfish and we're sinful, right? We are. If a prompting comes to do something big, to meet a need, I, I remember one example many years ago, a missionary family in Mexico with children, and God prompted our heart to do something really beyond our ability to do, but we were both convinced we needed to do it. We could do it. It would be a sacrifice, but we could do it at that point in our life. I can't tell you the joy that came into our hearts. And all I know is this. I'm selfish. I'm sinful. If there's a real need that this dear missionary family had with four young girls, they had a big need that we could meet. Some of it because of some of your generosity to us allowed us to be generous to them. I can't tell you the joy in that. And I knew it was from God because here's your simple litmus test. Uh, is what you're doing pleasing him? Is it furthering his work? You know it's not from the devil, right? To further the gospel, to advance the cause of Christ, and it gives you joy. Don't be casual. Pray about it. And we wrestled it through in prayer. We took some time to be sure it was the right thing to do. Don't be casual. Don't complain. 
Don't give under compulsion. Let the Holy Spirit prompt you to give your time, your abilities, and your treasure to, to his work to fuel the gospel. In Luke's gospel, chapter 6, verse 38, we find these words of Jesus. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be poured into your lap. And this is an ironically strange statement, humanly speaking. It's a miracle statement, if you will. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Again, a lot of people throw the word karma around. I simply believe it's a sowing and reaping principle, a biblical principle. Could I say with you, I believe it's in many areas of our life. As you love, so you are loved. And brother Manford, the love in that room last night, we know it's God's love, and God is so good. It's His grace, and you are clear about that. And all glory goes to God. But by His grace and in the power of His Spirit, you've lived a loving life. And the life of love you've lived as God has given you love, that love comes back to you. Many fold over, as he shared last night. Four people are now 18. Glory to God. You live a life of love. Love comes back to you. You judge You'll be judged, I don't know, just at the human level. If someone is always critical, always judgmental, always harsh, and then they do something wrong, are you going to be quick to be gracious to them? Humanly, you're probably going to do right back to them what they've always done to you as you're judged. We all want grace from God in heaven one day, don't we? We're sinners. We deserve death, even eternity in hell. But Jesus came. That's the gospel. He saved us from what he did on the cross. He died for our sins. He rose again. There's power in his death and resurrection. That's the good news of the gospel. As we embrace it and receive the gospel, we ask for his mercy and grace. We say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We ask for his grace. If we're people who want the grace of God, can we be harsh and judgmental on everyone else all of our life? We must be gracious and forgiving too. As we give, so too we will receive. If you encountered a person in your life who is generous to you your whole life long, in every way, and they had a time of need, would you not be quick to be generous to them in that time of their need? These are just basic biblical principles. We don't want you to be robbed of the joy of giving, to be a cheerful giver, to experience the exhilaration of giving your whole life to Christ first. That's the verse we've been trying to memorize together. They first gave themselves to the Lord, then their gifts, then their abilities, then their offerings. It all followed that dedication, that commitment of their whole life to Christ. The third little closing thought is a practical word. Just remember these things as we close today. Your gifts are, are useful. They're beneficial. They're a blessing to so many people. We find in 2 Corinthians 9, 8 and 10, these closing words from the Lord in 2 Corinthians 9. God is able to make all a grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And here's the miracle. As is written, they freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. And in verse 10, the closing word comes. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed 
and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Again, it's a spiritual blessing you receive back from the Lord. It's not the casino here. It's not pull the wheel and hope for a windfall financially. You receive spiritual blessing in this life. Spiritual blessing in all of eternity for your life you've invested in the service of Christ. Your time you've given. Your prayers you've offered. This is not just a series about your money. It's about your whole life being invested in the kingdom. Christ gave his whole life to you on the cross. We give our whole life back to him. There's a practical ending here. God meets our personal needs. One through four in your little notes you can take home later today and see how God met the needs of these people. I'll share just a quick slice with you. David in Psalm 37, 25. David said, I was young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Jesus, as he sent out the 12 by twos to minister all over the countryside, they came back giving testimony of all the miracles they were seeing, the people believing in God. And Jesus said this in Luke 22, uh, 35. He said that they never went without. They always had enough. Make a few of those your homework uh, to see how God provides. Yes, God multiplies resources. Have you ever found that in your life? Maybe a time of struggle. You were working hard. You didn't know how ends would meet. Yet you prayed, you worshiped, you gave what you could to the Lord. You determined to be faithful in your life and your needs were met. There's a miracle in this whole thing. God will provide. He will walk with you in life. He will help you to understand his will and accomplish what he determines for you. As we close in just a moment in prayer and then with the doxology, I want you to allow thankfulness to be flowing through your heart. As you pray, as you serve, as you give, are you aware it's causing thanksgiving to rise up in the hearts of people? I read this week about a missionary couple from Venezuela who were so blessed by a very faithful older couple in Los Angeles who gave sacrificially to them their whole missionary career in Venezuela. The gifts of the faithful Christians in L.A. fueled the work of the gospel in Venezuela and it brought up thanksgiving in their heart for this dear faithful couple. And as I think about that with you for just a moment as we go into prayer, I'll just ask you, who is giving thanks to God for you. The gifts of our life as we serve here together, our talents as we invest them, and the treasure too. Who is giving thanks to God for you? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the greatest gift of all. It's that Jesus has come, our Lord and Savior. Oh, Lord God, you did not remain in heaven, although you could have, perfectly in harmony with each other, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, not needing anything, really not even desiring anything beyond who you are. You're complete, perfect in yourself. Yet you've created us, and Jesus, you left heaven's glory to come. You gave yourself as a sacrifice for our sin, that we may be together forever in heaven. What a giving God you are. What a joy 
what a privilege, what an honor to join with you in your work here on this earth, building your kingdom. And one day in heaven, we will serve you and worship you forever. It's exhilarating to give our lives, our talents, our abilities, to give our resources too, back to your work around the world through mission, compassion needs to those who are struggling, the poor, the oppressed, to fuel the work of the gospel in this local church too. Thank you for the privilege of serving with you. May each of us give, not under compulsion, but grudgingly. May we give joyfully. May we even experience the exhilaration of giving as you prompt us as you touch our hearts to give. And may all glory go to God, who we want to worship and serve forever. Take our lives. We dedicate them to you. Take our gifts of finances and our talents that we offer to you too, and use them to further your gospel all over the world to make a difference for Christ. And we pray, oh God, you'd give us joy. In your holy name we pray. Hi, this is Pastor George Johnson. Thank you for listening today. The hope for Macomb and the entire world is Jesus. We pray that you commit your life to following Jesus. If we can help you in any way, either in coming to receive Jesus for the first time or in taking those important next steps in your walk with Christ, please do not hesitate to contact us. God bless you and keep you close to himself. The Hope for Macomb podcast is a ministry of Hope Community Baptist Church in Sterling Heights, Michigan. Visit us online at hope, the number four, macomb.com.